There we are. Good. Well, everybody, good morning. Um, a Bible would help. I've just found myself one. Uh, as Bob has said, on the, on the reverse of the little notices sheet, you will find an outline of where we're going this morning. Let me lead us in a prayer. is one of the uh, set prayers we use from time to time. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, because without you we are not able to please you, mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in everything direct and rule our hearts Mm. through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, man. man. And, of course, the question is, how would he do that? How's the Holy Spirit going to be able to rule and direct our hearts? Well, the main, the normal way in which God's Holy Spirit does that is through the word that he has breathed. And so if you have open on your knee 1 Peter chapter 2, page 1218, that will enable God the Holy Spirit to apply his word to your heart. And that's certainly what we're praying for this morning. We have been this, uh, these summer Sundays looking at various portraits that the New Testament gives of the Christian, the Christian believer. And as we uh, come to this morning's, I want us to begin by thinking about clubs. Now, uh, imagine that in a crowd like this, there are members of quite a number of different clubs. It may be you belong to a sports club, an interest club, a social club, perhaps a dining club. If you don't now, perhaps you have in the past. Uh, I confess that I have the the fun of belonging to three or four clubs, and I'm actually wearing the tie of one this morning. Now, if you look carefully, you'll notice it hasn't got stripes, and it hasn't got spots on it, but it's got little sort of um, inverted Vs. That is because it is to do with mountains. And those who know me well will not be surprised to hear that it is the Alpine Club tie. Now clubs are great fun. I value my club memberships very highly. They bring all kinds of benefits, which is just as well because most of them, in fact I think all of them, require the payment of a subscription. But this morning I want us to think of the best club in the world. Because there is one club that requires no annual subscription, whose entry fee has been paid for us on our behalf, and whose benefits are not only now, but extend into all eternity. Well, you can guess which club I'm speaking of. It is the club the Nicene Creed describes in these words. 
the one holy catholic apostolic church when these words were drawn up in the fourth century which is quite a long while ago isn't it if you can do the arithmetic when they were drawn up they became agreed and are still agreed all the way around the world bob has reminded us that as we meet here this morning well christian sisters and brothers are meeting in churches not only around this country but around the nations around the world the one holy catholic and apostolic church peter describes that church in profound theological language have a look at verse 9 got your bible open have a look at verse 9 peter says and if you were in church last week we were looking closely at this you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation god's special possession now this language is all drawn from the old testament it is language that was used of the people of god and peter is reminding these christian believers that they belong to that one great club a club that goes all the way back to abraham that man of faith and a club that embraces men and women old and young from every people and language and peter gives two portraits two word pictures of what it means to be a member of that club last sunday we were thinking of the idea of being a a stone you might not think that that's a terribly attractive thing to be uh, but it is a living stone not a dead stone and the picture the the analogy that peter used was of a, a building with stones all kind of connected to one big keystone who is christ that was last week's picture this week's picture well the notices sheet says that it is the idea of the christian believer being an alien or and you may have noticed that word didn't actually appear when carol was reading or a foreigner a foreigner and an exile so in order to make sure that you aren't thinking in your head of ufos or what are now called uaps if you're following the current congressional inquiry in the united states for those who don't know a uap is an unidentified anomalous phenomenon there we are neither of those no, no, neither are those who uh, love disney thinking in terms of the rather lovable et or uh, the rather more hideous creature of the uh, films alien in order to drive that out of your mind i'm going to stick to this language of foreigner foreigner and exile and peter wants to speak to these 
who are literally foreigners and exiles because those he's writing to were Christian believers in Rome but who have been driven out of Rome under the Emperor Claudius who are now scattered literally as foreigners and exiles and he writes to them of their privileges in belonging to this club and of their obligations how they should then live now 1 Peter is a marvelous letter we're here this morning at the um, the transition point from his big introduction to his main exhortation in other words the part of the letter when he is urging the readers of the letter to take on board what he wants to have to say and to let it change their lives you see he says dear friends verse 11 have a look at that dear friends I urge you this is the exhortation dear friends he regards them as his beloved friends brothers and sisters in Christ dear friends I urge you I as an apostle says Peter I urge you as foreigners and exiles and we're going to think first of all about the privileges of what it means to belong to this one holy Catholic and apostolic church Nigel could we just have those words back up for a moment that's lovely thank you because I do want us to focus on them it's easy just to say them in the creed and not notice what they mean isn't it we all belong to one church of course there are separate churches they're organized into separate institutions but it is the one church of the Lord Jesus Christ it is holy therefore separate because it has been bought with a price to belong to God forever it is Catholic now that word is a very important word Catholic speaks of two things it speaks of being universal so it includes everybody who's a real believer around the world and it speaks of being intergenerational in other words it's a unity that extends back all those generations to Peter's time to the church of Jesus and beyond that all the way back through men and women of faith to Abraham so Catholic speaks both of universality and of longevity because we are inheritors of all of those centuries of Christian teaching and leadership and it's apostolic it's apostolic because it is founded on the teaching of the Apostles for example Peter and that is why we have our Bibles that include not only the Old Testament scriptures but the writings of the Apostles now friends it is a great privilege to belong to this club in fact it's so good I'm going to take this one off because compared with that this one is worth practically nothing this is the great club to belong to 
And if you're a real Christian here this morning, you belong to the best club in the world. Peter's membership, you may remember, began when he was a fisherman by the shores of Lake Galilee. Do you remember that? Come and follow me, said the Lord Jesus. And Peter and his brother and his partners left those fishing boats and followed Jesus. The recipients of this letter, well, most likely they joined the club when they were in Rome, but now they are scattered due to persecution. I wonder when your membership began. I imagine between us we have lots of different stories. It might be that you don't exactly know because you have had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home. For you, God has always been there. It might be that you can remember very clearly when you didn't belong to this club and when God in his mercy drew you to himself. Maybe there are some here who haven't yet signed up. This morning would be a great time to make that step. The privileges of belonging to the one holy Catholic and apostolic church outweigh the privileges of belonging to any other club you could possibly aspire to. I have a friend who belongs to the Royal and Ancient Golf Club of St Andrews. That's a golf club I would very much like to belong to. But compared with anything privileged like that, this is the greatest privilege on earth. Amen? Amen. Well done, well done. That's not bad, actually. Yeah, not bad. All right. Uh, We can take that off now, Nigel. Thank you. Now, let's move on. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, that's what they are, Peter's now going to expand on what that means. I urge you, and you see, like any club membership, there are obligations. I urge you, he says, to abstain on the one hand and to live good lives on the other. Now, these two words he uses in our NIV here, translated foreigner and exile, are two words that were used of Abraham. It is a direct quote from the Greek version of the Old Testament. You know the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and Aramaic, but in the third century BC it was translated into Greek by a group of something like 70 scholars. And very often the New Testament quotes from that version, the Greek version, because the New Testament is written in Greek. And from Genesis 23 and verse 4, no need to look it up, it's on your notes, this phrase is lifted by the Apostle Peter and applied to these Christians who are paroikos, that is, foreigners, or aliens in Old English, and who are parapodemus, that is, those who wander, who walk around, who are sojourners away from their home. And he says that these Christian believers, 
foreigners and exiles have an obligation, first of all, to declare God's praises. Now, we were thinking about that last, night, last week. Is there in verse 9. It's quite important to notice that these praises have God as the subject, not as the object. Let me explain what I mean. This is not telling God how good he is or how great he is. This is telling other people how good and great he is. This isn't singing hymns of thanks in church. This is Monday morning in the workplace at the school gate, speaking well of him. It is praising God with God as the subject, not as the object. Uh, Friends, it's very easy, I think, when we read the word praise, to assume that God is the object. Almost always in the Psalms, for for instance, the word praise has God as the subject. It's to do with speaking well of him to outsiders. Of course, we bring our thanks to him, we express our adoration of him, but to declare his praises is to speak well of him to our outsiders. Archbishop William Temple once famously said, the church is the only club that exists for the benefit of non-members. It's a nice phrase, isn't it? The big emphasis of being a foreigner and an exile, though, is spelled out from verse 11 onwards. First of all, Peter says, it means not doing lots of the things that those around you will do. Abstain, he says. If you abstain from something, you, um, you kind of opt out. You don't do what everybody else is doing. It's to do with being different, isn't it? But when the Bible urges us to be different, it isn't always negative. And this passage isn't negative, and Peter isn't negative. He doesn't just want these Christians not to do the things everybody else is doing. He wants them to do the things that others aren't always doing. In other words, to live good lives. We get that in verse 12, and we get it in verse 15. So, positively being good, negatively not being bad. Abstaining on the one hand, being good in their lives on the other. To live as foreigners and exiles here is what Peter wants them to do. The writer to the Hebrews writing to Christian believers with a Jewish background, urges them in the same language to live as foreigners and exiles, imitating the examples of Old Testament men and women of faith. Like Abraham, for instance, but like many others too. So we have these two pictures, the picture of the living stone and the picture of the exile, of the foreigner, of the alien. 
Friends, I want us now just to spend some minutes pondering this, because I think that this second picture is really one that we need to think through carefully. I'm going to ask Nigel to put a picture on the screen that I found rather striking. I found myself in the Royal Academy a few weeks back at their summer exhibition. And uh, amongst all the pictures, this one struck me and the friend I was with as being powerful and poignant. If you look carefully at it, do you see what it's doing? Here is somebody who is very clearly a foreigner, aren't they? And they're walking in front of a shop that ought to say textile, but actually says, well, so far as you can see, tell me? Exercise. Isn't that a striking picture? We were just going around. If you've ever been to the summer exhibition, you know that there are hundreds of paintings plastered all over the wall from different artists. And this caught our eye and struck us. What does it mean to be living as a foreigner and an exile? Well, it is literally true, isn't it, for thousands of people today. It was literally true for the recipients of Peter's letter who have been expelled. Peter speaks of them in this language. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. He says again, I'm writing this letter to you, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon sends you her greetings. Very interesting phrase that. So far as we can tell, Peter is in Rome as he writes. But it is a time of persecution. He can't refer to the church in Rome, and so he picks up this title of Babylon. He's actually saying that Rome is like Babylon. And do you remember the exile was in Babylon in the Old Testament? The people who were taken captivity out of Jerusalem, found themselves exiles in Babylon. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, it's less obviously true for you and for me, because we kind of feel at home where we're living. This is our place. And that's I think, why God the Holy Spirit has preserved this portrait for us. Because, you see, the warfare that Peter speaks of in verse 11 is as true for us as it was for them, as it is for those who are physically and literally exiles in other parts of the world today. It is a spiritual warfare. Do you see verse 11? It is a warfare against our souls. Now, in order to think about this, we need to think quite carefully, all right? So, will you just check your neighbour and make sure they're not dozing off, all right? 
the uh, yes, just give them a nudge. We're going to try and think carefully about this for a minute because this isn't true of vertical relationships. God's people are related to him and the New Testament says very clearly to Gentile Christians, that is those who haven't got a Jewish background, that they are no longer foreigners and aliens. Because we belong, marvellously. We belong to this great club. This club that began with God's promise to Abraham. This club now includes Gentiles as well as Jewish people. We have to be very careful how we speak about this. It's not that the Gentiles have replaced the Jews. This isn't replacement theology. If you like, this is inclusion theology. Because what God has done is to include Gentiles of faith with men and women who are with Jewish heritage with faith, all who trust in Christ are included in this church, in this club. And what a privilege that is. So we are no longer foreigners and exiles in that sense, but in the horizontal relationships, our relationship with the world around, the people we're with at school or at college, at work, at the school gate, wherever we find ourselves around town this week, with relation to them, we are to think of ourselves as foreigners and exiles, that is, horizontally within the society in which we live. Why? Because, as Paul wrote to the Philippian church, our citizenship is in heaven. So, how do you think of yourself as a foreigner and an exile? You're not a foreigner and exile in terms of belonging to God's people, but you are in relation to the society in which you live. Which brings us to the second big thing to think about, which is how then ought we to behave? Now, it's possible to come up with a completely wrong conclusion from this by arguing in this way. My citizenship is in heaven, my loyalty is to God, therefore this world actually doesn't matter, and I, ho I owe nobody any loyalty here, because all my loyalty belongs to God. And in church history, from time to time, that has been the kind of, well I'm going to call it fanaticism, that has captured people's hearts and minds. Listen to what Peter says straight away. Verse 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. Isn't that interesting? So he doesn't say, have nothing to do with the world. He doesn't say, 
use your loyalty to God to make sure that you don't have to conform or submit to anybody here. Let me read to you what one recent commentary written by a sister called Karen Jobes says. Peter exhorts Christians to engage in the world as foreigners and resident aliens, having a healthy respect for the society and culture in which they live, while at the same time maintaining an appropriate separation from it. Now what's interesting is that in your Bible you've got a worked example of that. Old Testament, think Old Testament. Who was an exile in Babylon? Daniel. Daniel, says Liz. Yes, Daniel. The book of Daniel is a worked example of what it means to be a person of faith but in exile. Now what's remarkable about young Daniel was that he learned the language of the Babylonians. He adapted himself to its culture. He worked for the prosperity of Babylon. He even prayed. But he also witnessed, and he also was not prepared to compromise over certain things. If you know your book of Daniel, you'll know where that led. And all the time, he was mindful of his other citizenship. The Christian in exile is not, therefore, to live as a detached fanatic, as if this world doesn't matter, but to be involved. But being involved to maintain this other big perspective... It's not wrong, therefore, for church leaders to comment on affairs of state, although it helps if they know what they're talking about. It's not wrong to belong to other clubs, even while we belong to this big club, which means I think I can probably put my tie back on. I've never tried tying a tie while I preach, but I thought I might this morning just for your entertainment. What we need to do is to live in this world as good citizens, even to honour the emperor, they're told, the emperor who had thrown them out of Rome, to honour the emperor and yet to remember that above all, the membership, the club membership we prize above everything else is that of the church. Thank you very much. Right, I'm going to, actually, I I will tell you one one amusing story and then two serious stories. Um, I was in Abuja Airport. Those who know where Abuja is, that's the capital of Nigeria. Where is Andrew? Andrew, you know Abuja, do you, brother? Where are you? Yes, Abuja Airport. Okay. Uh, I've been through security, there's then a second line of security, and this uh, uh, delightful Nigerian chap demands to know, what is my final destination? He's got my passport, yes, what's your final, yes, Sarah, you've got it, okay. 
So, so I, and I'm not sure I would try this many places, I said, uh, I said um, heaven. At which point he gave me a high five and waved me through. I've got one more little quote to read you, and then I've got two stories. Here is what Karen Job says. According to Peter, because they are Christians, their social status does not really matter. Having been chosen by God, they have been brought into his new family and given a new citizenship that is privileged beyond anything Rome or its provinces could offer. For all the glory of Rome is but as the grass and the flower of the field which fades and falls. The language of chapter 1. But the word of God stands forever. Karen Job's comments, one need only look at the ruins of Rome today and contrast it with the vitality of the Christian church throughout the world to see this truth in historical perspective. I was very moved uh, recently to read the obituary of the American church leader and preacher uh, Timothy Keller. Some may have benefited from the books or the sermons of Tim Keller. He founded a church in New York City called Redeemer Church. He uh, died earlier this year after a long illness. The obituary describes how Tim Keller was in hospital uh, and uh, fading. And he said to his doctors, doctors, I'd like to go home. And that, of course, was not an unfamiliar request for the medics there. They often had patients asking to be released to their families and to their homes for their final days. But Tim Keller didn't mean that. And so his obituary was titled, Moved to Heaven. I want to go home. Well, Keller was in his 70s. Uh, here's a story rather more tragic, I think we would feel. In uh, Rwanda this year, in April, I was at a large conference in Kigali. I, some will be aware of that. And uh, the conference started on the Monday. On the Tuesday, our host, Archbishop Laurent Mbanda, and his wife, Chantelle, had to leave the conference. This is true. They had to leave the conference. And we heard the news that in America, their son Edwin, aged 33, had suddenly died. He was fit and well, a Christian, uh, engaged to be married. He was found dead. It wasn't a matter of alcohol or drugs or violence. It seems he just switched off and died. Well, it was obviously a huge tragedy. Uh, uh, Laura and Chantel had to leave the conference and fly to the stakes. What was striking was the contrast between the way 
Western Christians spoke about it, and our African brothers. Those from the West, we were all asking things like, what? How? What could have happened? Why weren't the emergency services at hand? Could the medics not do something? We were all focused on that. This just seemed unspeakably awful and shocking and desperate. Now, our African brothers didn't make light of the tragedy or the grief. But for them, it wasn't so unusual. They were much more familiar with losing a child or losing a son or a daughter. For them, the questions were, this timing is very odd. What is God doing here? This looks like a spiritual attack on Laurent's leadership of the GAFCON movement. One African brother said to me, Alan, Edwin, for that was his name, Edwin has simply gone home early. Well, friends, I'll leave you with those two stories. So those of us still resonant here, Peter's words speak loudly, do they not? To encourage us to value our membership of this club, the one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church, very highly, and to live and to die accordingly. Let's pray. Our Father, as we have mentioned them this morning, we lift to you the Ambanders and ask that you would give them comfort. We lift to you the Keller family and ask likewise. We lift to you ourselves and all those we know who have lost loved ones. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts that as foreigners and exiles, we know ourselves to be away from home. Please teach us to live in the light of that, to your praise and glory. Amen.